and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the swollen testicles to my normal testicles. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. How are you, Justin? Yeah, pretty surprised. That's a that's a good uh, a good intro. I'll give you that one. Very topical. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You've been up to much? Uh, yeah, just making sure my testicles are all good. Yep, as we all should, as we all should, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is the number one championship-specific podcast. You'll be surprised to hear after that intro. It's the second tier. Thank you for joining us, <laughs> wherever you are. We've got midweek games, and boy, did we have some midweek games. Some of the action from the past couple of days, Justin, has been sensational. Some unbelievable goals, scraps on the touchline, fantastic games, surprising results. It's been all kicking off in midweek so we're going to run through all the games that have happened on Tuesday and Wednesday then we'll go through some of the news in the championship from the past few days and finish off with the controversial as ever Craig Bryson pub quiz but before we get underway this season we've teamed up with Fansbet the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans do check them out at fansbet.com and claim your bet 10 get 10 plus 50 free spins welcome offer terms and restrictions apply full details on site 18 plus please gamble responsibly visit begambleaware.org for more info and do also check out fans about responsible gambling tools you'll also see us contributing to their social content talking all things championship so do give them a follow justin where else should we start this midweek chrissy hewton because there were strong reports on wednesday night that chris hewton He's set to leave Forest. It's not been confirmed at the time of recording, but in true podcasting fashion, I imagine it probably will come out after we finish recording. It comes mm-hmm. after Forest lost again, this time 2-0 to Middlesbrough. Can't say if he does go, Justin, it's too surprising, is it? No, I think it's, what, one win in 22? Something ridiculous. And as as you've said, it's, it's just not surprising at all. We all thought, I say we all thought, it was probably just me and you thought, Chris Hewton could pick this side up and, and, and get them going and you know, he's got the pedigree to do it but it's just not clicking and um, as we saw last night in the game against Borough there's just absolutely no personality in this far side whatsoever in terms of how they play it just goes side to side put a few crosses in the box hope for the best there's no pattern of play there's no positive approach play at all and key players uh, are performing really poorly I don't think they should go um, under the radar here I think players are, are, are underperforming as well but it's not helped by Chris Hewton's style of football and, and tactics essentially Yeah his position has become untenable really hasn't it mm. and it's the only thing that really kept him in a job for slightly longer was Brennan Johnson's equaliser in the East Midlands <laughs> because I think if they lost mm-hmm. that he would have gone into the, in, in the international break um, but it's no surprise really things clearly aren't working and despite what we've been saying that Chris Hewton um, there aren't many people who would be better at the job um, it seems like he's got to go but my question is exactly what I've been saying over the past few weeks if Chris Hewton can't get a tune out of this Forest squad then who can? there aren't many better managers at this level than Chris Hewton in terms of how he's done in the championship before and just his overall talent as a manager he's a very good manager and he's not become a bad manager overnight yet it was clear that he had to go and now you've got to ask the question where do Forrest go next? 
Oh, well, that's that's a very very good question. Um, honestly, I've got no idea. It, as you said, if Chris Hutton can't get a tune out of this side, then who can? Um, and it, it's not that Chris Hutton's this managerial messiah, um, but he is one of the best at Championship level uh, ever. Really, his record is 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 there for its uh, well, it speaks for itself. Um, I think a lot of Forest fans have sort of been leaning, leaning on Dane Murphy a little bit. Um, but what what he had at Barnsley compared to what he has at Forest is what he had at Barnsley was a data driven recruitment policy, um, state state of the art data data driven recruitment policy. I will add because of the whole Billy Bean situation, um, contacts around Europe and uh, and an ownership model that supported um, the ability to go and look for these for these managers that are absolute gems. Forest have none of that. Um, the infrastructure at Forest, as, as everybody knows, is, is just non-existent. And I think they're going to struggle to firstly attract the right manager and secondly um, bring one in that can that can find an identity in this Forest team. Well, it goes back to what we were saying. Chris Hewton has done a good job at Brighton, Newcastle, Norwich. Uh, there's another one in there who I've completely forgotten Birmingham about. City. Birmingham City. Um, he, he's done a good job at pretty much every club he's been at, but then Forest just hasn't been the case. And then you've got to ask well the problems must be with Nottingham Forest as a football club and the infrastructure <laughs> there because the squad's good uh, much better than a lot of Forest fans give it credit for and all the ingredients are there for a side challenging for at least the playoffs um, so w- why isn't it working I don't think the transfer policy does help um, I don't think the new chief exec can be had his can be pointing fingers at him too much just because he's only just coming to the job um but years of just you know throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks in terms of bringing in players it doesn't really work and that's exactly what has happened at forest considering they brought in something like 77 players um since january 2018 it's mm-hmm. shocking it really is shocking um and now I honestly am starting to worry about Forrest and how they're going to do once they do get in a new manager because I have no idea who they're going to be bringing in. I know John Terry's been linked, but I just honestly can't see things necessarily improving. You're spot on. Um, there's a there's a lot that needs to happen at Nottingham Forest over the next season, uh, next season or two. Um, they've got a long way to go before they are a... Uh, in inverted commas Barnsley um, that they hope they, they could become um, there's such an uphill uh, trek now for Forest over the next sort of few months um, yeah I, 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 we, I they're, they're a rudderless ship they have been for a long time and um, this is what we're left with and I've got no more words that we can say about Nottingham Forest really haven't because we've said it all in the past and everything is still relevant now which is as shocking as um, as it as it can be Let's have a quick chat about the game from Wednesday night then, Justin. As I say, they lost 2-0 to Middlesbrough. Um, Can't really add much from the Forest perspective. It's been pretty much the same performance that we've seen from Forest for the past (laughs) seven weeks or what have you. Uh, Middlesbrough, though, they haven't been in great shakes themselves recently, but this was a pleasing performance for Neil Warnock. It was, and it was it was quite a, an easy win, shall we say, which is a, a, a damning indictment on the way Forest played. But what Borough did was 
they they seize on their opportunities. Um, the movement from uh, Sporra for the for his first goal um, was really good. Just sitting in between Warren and McKenna, in between the two centre halves, was, was was great. Would shouldn't have been allowed that much space. Um, but the 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 uh, Nows to pick him out and then for him to take two or three touches and then just hammer it into the top corner was 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 beautiful. And then the second goal is um, is comical, um, but. At no point did Forest look like they were getting back into it. It was a very routine performance from Bora. I don't think they had to do much. They'll take the win, they'll take the clean sheet, and then they will um, try and build momentum from that because that's what they need. Yeah, they definitely need momentum on the board. I thought Ono Hernandez played well um, after he's just coming to the side as well. So, yeah, pleasing stuff for Neil Warnock, and he's needed that as well. Uh, Fulham, they're back top of the league after giving Birmingham a bit of a humbling. They won 4 1. Uh, Justin, this was a mauling, wasn't it? It was a complete <laughs> dismantling by Fulham. Well, you say that. I thought Birmingham City still still created uh, a fair few chances and uh, Gans and Eagles kept busy. But what else do you expect from this Fulham side who are so good going forwards, who are so productive at creating chances and taking them? Um, it's just it's to be expected now, and especially after that humbling defeat to, to Blackpool at the weekend. Um coming up against Birmingham City they had to put that right and they did that definitely and um, as you say it was, it was a good performance 10 shots on target again um, they're a creative force going forwards and, and quite ruthless at the back so it's a very nice package in this game Birmingham City had the best defence in the league at this point um, coming into this game so they, they were going to have to work for it and they didn't really they, they, they robbed um, Mark Roberts for, for one of the goals um, Shalaba was fouled for the for the penalty in the first half it was um, sorry second half it was quite a easy easy win at times for Fulham yeah well they got back things back on track didn't they under Marco Silva and that's basically what they needed to do here and boy did they do it I thought Nathaniel Chalaba had a great game in the middle mm-hmm. of the park uh, for the cottages and then Alexander Mitrovic was back to being the Alexander Mitrovic <laughs> that we all know and love just being clinical as anything in front of goals so yeah Fulham back to looking like the side that we saw a couple of weeks ago uh, Troy Denny scored his first goal first boyhood club which was nice to see the only real positive for Birmingham really I, I see what you mean they did create a few chances um, maybe the scoreline from their perspective was a bit harsh however Fulham were just so good for what 70 minutes of this game and mm-hmm. uh, yeah Birmingham just didn't really have any answer or it was too late to answer rather West Brom they were held to a 0-0 draw against Derby I think Wayne Rooney has got Keller Roos to thank for that because he, he was on a different level between the sticks wasn't he Justin yeah and I tell you what he gets a lot of um, a lot of abuse from Derby fans uh, even my, my, my brother I'll call him out he's a he's a Roos hater as well um, and I don't agree with it I think he's a very solid keeper um, at championship level he's not a world beater he's not one of the best but he's, he's a solid keeper at championship level and he showed that against West Brom with some of the saves he had to make and the commanding of his box West Brom are a terrifying team to come up against I had this down as a 4-0 win for West Brom I had no hope at all as a Derby supporter um, and Derby have got Cal Roos to thank for, for keeping it well keeping a clean sheet and getting getting a draw out of it because um, they didn't really offer much themselves yeah it was it was the Cal Roos show uh, in this game yeah, his shot stopping was fantastic. His commanding of his area for crosses has leaves a lot to be desired. He 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 definitely prefers punching than uh, catching the ball, which I think Derby fans would much prefer <laughs> on plenty of occasions. But nonetheless, um, what did you make of the actual game as a whole? Because it just seemed like West Brom were 
constantly firing at Derby and they just couldn't find a way through. Yeah, no, I, I thought West Brom were, were were very good, I think, going forwards. It was just they were lacking a little bit in the final third while putting chances away because they created plenty. Their XG was, was ridiculous. Um, I think my only big criticism for, for West Brom in this situation is when you've got Alex Mauer in midfield and even Jake Livermore, who is tidy on the ball, um, if teams are going to sit back and absorb the pressure... Use them to carry carry the ball through, break them down, um, get get players to run at them. Dean Garner, I thought, um, which I'm sure we'll debate in a moment. I thought Dean Garner was was absolutely fantastic in this game. He created and, and a hell of a lot of chances. No, he didn't. Yeah, had to bring it up. Had to bring hang it on, up. Hang on, hang on, hang on, Justin. Right. So for anyone who's missed this, um, <laughs> I criticised West Brom. At Dean Garner's performance uh, on Twitter last night, and uh, West Brom fans didn't particularly agree with me. Um, I, I don't really understand why that is the case, really, because he didn't complete a single dribble. He was dispossessed seven times. Uh, no other player was dispossessed more than once. And he had six unsuccessful first touches, the most on the pitch, which doesn't sound like a great game to me. Oh, on paper, it doesn't. But honestly, I thought Dan, Dean Garner was exploiting space a lot, especially in behind Nathan Byrne, who would vacate that space to, to attack um, I thought he was a constant threat and yeah he got the ball into the box quite a lot um, when when there was no when there's no one there to put the chances away um, I don't think I don't think you're giving him enough credit I thought he was really good and I thought I don't think he's back to his best yet but I thought that performance was a, a, a massive positive probably going forward he was the best player of the pitch to be honest with you um, well, he said he got the so, ball yeah. into dangerous, dangerous areas but he only created one chance all game I watched the game in, in, in full. I watched the game in full as well. You'd seen a different game. I thought Dean I, I, I clearly must have because every West Brom fan seems to think he was their best player on the pitch, which I think is completely exaggerated. I thought Furlong and Reach at wing backs were both absolutely class. Um, but it is a game of opinions, so they're more entitled to think Dean Garner was their best player on the pitch, but I could not agree disagree more really. Um, let's move on Justin um, just finally on West Brom two straight draws for them now any cause for concern? No I think the amount of chances they created against Derby is um, is, is, is a positive it's a good habit to have uh, I think they'll take that into the next game and perhaps they'll have a bit more a bit more luck on their side mm. Well Beggies fans have been worried about it even though as you say, they absolutely dominated this game. The Millwall game at the weekend may be a bit more of a cause for concern considering they gave away quite a few chances, but I don't think there's any reason to worry just yet. West Brom are still looking just as good as Fulham have done this season. Um, so, yeah, no, no need to worry thus far for West Brom fans. It's if they continue to miss sure. so many golden chances mm. that I'd start to worry <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, it was all kicking off in the Stoke v Barnsley game, it finished one all but three coaches were sent to the stands, Dean Holden tried to get the ball off Marcus Sharp towards the end of the game and then it all went a bit handbags Justin just a, just a little bit. It was um, it was a very good game as well. Actually, I thought that the, the game itself was 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 very very good. Um, uh, and yeah, three red cards to staff is uh, is incredible, isn't it? Um, uh, well, I mean, where do you start? I, th- I don't think Dean Holden needs to come and get the ball off Marcus Shop. I know they're trying to waste time, but the referee will sort that out. You don't need to worry. Um, and then the Barnsley coaches get involved. One slaps Holden 
in the neck, I think it was. Um, there will definitely be some punishments dished out, I expect. Um, you expect better from the adults, don't you, really? I, I just found it funny how Dean Holden was sniggering at yeah. the whole thing, like a naughty little schoolboy. <laughs> and uh, even better was Michael O'Neill, who just wanted to avoid the whole situation and just didn't get involved. <laughs> Oh, it was very funny, really good. Um, but Stoke absolutely battered Barnsley here, didn't they? In a football sense, not a physical sense. Um, <laughs> and it's mostly down to Brad Collins, who was classing goal for Barnsley, but Stoke did miss some glorious chances, didn't they? Yeah, I think the the, the Sam Storage one where, I can't remember who crossed it, but he swings it into the far post, um, and he manages to kick it straight at Brad Collins. And it's literally just Brad Collins making himself big, it hits his wrist, and then it goes over. Very, very unlucky, but it's those sorts of chances you've got to put away, really, um, especially if you want to be challenging for automatics, because that's where Stoke find themselves at the minute. They're, they're putting the pressure on the top two, um, but they've got to keep cooking, they've got to keep going, um, and they've got to keep this this uh, good habit of, of creating as many chances as they are doing. Um, I think they will they will start to put them away, but are they going to be as prolific as the, as the likes of Fulham and West Brom in front of goal? I know West Brom, we were just talking about the missing chances, but they do they, they do have the potential to score plenty. Um I don't think they will be as as prolific, but I think they've got the defensive now to to keep getting results and um there's there's much to improve for, for Stoke. I mean it could have been different with the with the penalty. Um it could have been a different game, but it was missed. I I disagree with you actually. I think as long as they're making those chances, then that's all that matters because eventually those chances will go in. It doesn't matter how prolific they are because they've got, you know, experienced championship players um, at the top of the pitch. You've got Stephen Fletcher, Sam Surridge mm. is someone who's started really well in his Stoke career and they've obviously got Tyrese Campbell to come back as well. So as long as they're continuing to create chances, then I wouldn't worry too much about how they're not putting them away like they did in this game. Uh, Barnsley equalised through a wonderful free kick from Corley Woodrow. That was unbelievable Beautiful. I mean there's a few contenders for best free kick in midweek but uh, I think that one tops the lot for me but I will say for Barnsley this is another concerning performance um, should have lost if it wasn't for Brad Collins heroics then they would have been about three or four goals down uh, probably by about half time um, <laughs> and it comes after two other games where they got absolutely battered um, managed to pick up a point against Birmingham just before the international break and then he got battered at the weekend as well so they can't continue doing this where they're getting battered in every game otherwise if performances don't improve then they're not going to be moving up the table anytime soon and will con- slowly start to slide down the table um, really concerning from Barnsley they've probably been the worst team in the past three games um, so Marcus Shop has got massive work to do to try and turn that around um, and not having sparring matches with other coaching staff <laughs> <laughs> there was some brilliant football on show at the Vitality Stadium Bournemouth 2 QPR 1 Bournemouth fairly comfortable when they were two goals up but then QPR made it a nervy half an hour but this was a really good game wasn't it Justin? It was, and it was two good teams wanting to play football as well, which is which is exactly what you need in a midweek in a midweek game, definitely. Um, but as you say, Bournemouth started to hang on in, in the second half, but you can't take away the, the performance from from especially the first half. Um, Jordan Zamora and Jaden Anthony again are just the two breakout stars in the league this season. They've they've been incredible. Jordan Zamora's 
really surprised me in terms of how well he's taken. He's got so much confidence going forward with the ball. It's ridiculous. He's just uh, he's just 21 years old and he's not played that many senior games, but he's got the 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 ability to to drive at um, at opposition fullbacks. And when you've got a player like that, it just adds a little bit of um, uh, unpredictability in your attacking play because you've got that outlet. Um, and Jaden Anthony, you know, he's he robbed Rob Dickey for the for the I think it was the first goal, and um, he's provided Solanke with the assist for the second. He's so so good. It's again such a young and inexperienced player. Um, he's taken to the championship with so much ease. I can't really say much else about them. They they, they no. were the two standout players in this game. They were brilliant. Yeah, he was sensational, Anthony. He really was. Uh, I, I just love the idea that Bournemouth have got all these great attacking players, and yet the best one this season has been a lad who was playing for Weymouth last year. Mm-hmm. It, it's great, and he, he just looks such a threat when he's running with the ball because not only is he very quick, he's also quite a big and strong lad as well, isn't he? So he's got the mm. physical stature to really go quite far in the game, and considering how he started so far in it early on at such a young age for Bournemouth and I'm really excited to see how he continues throughout the rest of the season and whether he'll go on to greater things later on in his career uh, but since that draw to Blackpool Bournemouth have been brilliant that was obviously a really disappointing result before the international break but they've been tearing teams apart since then and showing themselves to a to really look like a promising side because I was quite concerned after that Blackpool game but they're in Scott Park has shown that they can turn it up another gear. Um, so let's see if that continues. QPR's first loss of the season. Of course, they've been undefeated prior to that. Um, positive signs, though? Uh, oh, yeah, there are positives because they, they nearly got back into the game, but they're giving teams too many head starts, aren't they? They are um, giving themselves too much work to do. Um, and it's, you, you can't you can't get away with that if you're trying to be a top six side. Um, what, one thing I will say is that you know, I, I want to defend Rob Dickey for his... Uh, alleged cock up with the with the with the first goal. I don't think it was his fault. I don't think he should have ever received the ball there from Ding. Um, I think Ding's got to get got, got to get that ball clear because Bomb did a really good job pressing pressing Dickey and cutting off his his passing lanes. Um, so there's there's times to play out and there's and there's there's a bit of naive naivety defensively for QPR at the minute. But I expect Warburton to improve them because he's proved that um, th- that he can change his side. Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about a, bit, a crazy game at a Bramall Lane and then a win for Reading and a win for Huddersfield. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. A 95th minute equaliser by Emil Rees Jakobsen meant Preston won a point away at Sheffield United that finished 2-2 the limbs Justin it's all about the limbs what limbs were here uh, arms legs uh, everything it was just crazy yeah a 95th minute equaliser uh, in a game where um, you expect to lose because again the quality of the players you're, you're up against it's a, it's, a, it's a big one and the amount of character shown by the, the Preston side yeah very very good I'll tell you what, you talk about character. Emil Rees Jakobsen to have the cojones to take down that ball in the The six-yard box. It was an unbelievable touch in the 95th minute. How you can have the balls to do that under that pressure is just sensational. So fair play to him, really good finish as well. Uh, But yeah, Preston, 
they, I think they deserved the draw here as well. Daniel Johnson, I thought, was class. His touch for the first goal, all about first touches for Preston in this game, his touch for the first goal was just brilliant as well. He was helped by Robin Olsen going walkies, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it was really good from Preston and uh, deserved the point. Jukanovic, obviously disappointed, said his players lost concentration. Um, I, I really don't know what Olsen was doing because obviously that was his debut after his high-profile move on loan from Roma. But he just completely sold himself for that goal, didn't he? Um, what did you make of the game as a whole, bar the 95th minute, Justin? Um, I think a, a draw was definitely a fair result. Both teams created chances. I think the the one thing I'm seeing positively for Sheffield United is the amount of chances they're creating and getting bodies in the box. I think Luke Freeman had two or three chances in the way uh, in the first half where the ball's been cut back and he's and he's I think he's hit one over the bar of his right foot. I think you're sharpen up in in front of goal. Um, then then the Sheffield United win that game, but wasn't to be. The pressing kept plugging away, and um, I think from a Sheffield United perspective, you've got to see that game out. Um, it was two individual errors that cost him really because Robinson misjudged the flight of the ball for that free kick, and obviously Olsen was uh, was halfway down the M1 for the um, for the for the first goal. So, yeah, definitely things that need to be improved on Sheffield United. But going to Preston, great character again, showing a lot more character than they had the start of the season I think again they're starting to build a little bit of momentum which is an absolute positive because we thought they were doomed at one point well they needed to carry on that uh, momentum from the big win against Peterborough at the weekend didn't necessarily do that here but there were still positives Morgan Gibbs-White scored again and Santa Berger got his first goal of the season and if he manages to become the player that many people are expecting at Bramall Lane then Christ almighty, he's going to be a good player. Reading got their first win in five games. They beat Peterborough 3-1 in the battle of the two teams who can't defend. But it was all about one man again, Justin. John Swift, who got a goal and an assist. He's now got ten goal contributions in seven league games. Ten in seven. It's remarkable. Justin, I saw someone ask us a question. Um, when did John Swift become Maradona overnight? <laughs> it's a very good question and um, I've pulled up some playmaker stats which is lovely lovely transition um, he, it was a perfect playmaker's performance his pass accuracy was 87% he had 84 touches of the ball made key, uh, made four key passes obviously creating chances uh, and obviously got a goal and assist so it was the yeah the, the absolute perfect number 10's performance and um, I think his goals have, have surprised me a lot this season because he's never been a goal scorer. He's always popped up in the right place uh, from time to time but he's never been a goal scorer. So for him to add this um, dimension to his game is, is a massive plus for, for Reading. It's something that they need. Um, but yeah, top, top performance from him and a, and a very good performance from Reading. It's the first time that they've held their side to, to less than one XG uh, since the end of last season. So defensively, thumbs up. For once, um, <laughs> it, it, it's remarkable how clinical he has been in front of goals. The three goals he scored at the weekend were just every single one was marvelous. Harry Kane would be proud of some of those strikes, <laughs> and then the free kick here. Can we oh, talk man. about the free kick, Justin? Yeah, what sure. a strike that was! Uh, I, I'm just loving watching John Swift play at the moment. He, he he just seems to be getting better and better and doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. So keep it going, Swifty boy. Uh, but for Peterborough, that's now four straight losses. They're second from bottom. And it's getting quite concerning, isn't it, how things are going for them? 
it's when you it's when you start to concede goals um, and you're not scoring them yourself. That's when you start to raise your eyebrows and you start to sweat a little bit. Um, I mean, it was ten goals conceded in the last two games, which isn't isn't good enough. I thought I said uh, in our last episode, I thought their their weekend uh, performance in the first half against Sheffield United was, was was fine. It was good. It's something to build on, but they just collapsed, and that seems to have seeped into this game where they just just were were not good enough, and um, they were going up against a team who defensively were bad. They've got the players to to improve. It, uh, talked about Reading, of course, um, but Peterborough at no point did they did they look like they were going to exploit. Reading in any way, shape or form. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really worried for, for Peterborough and, and where they go from here because this loss especially is probably worse than the uh, the Sheffield United loss, to be honest with you. Mm. Huddersfield's good form continues. They beat Blackpool 3-0. Uh, second half, the Terriers were absolutely class, weren't they, Justin? Well, they've got the quality, haven't they? Um, they they switched up a bit uh, in the second half and um, started to create chances and, and started to take the chances. The, the Chroma goal, for for example, what a hit. Uh, what a hit. And then the Matty Pearson header, I love a header, perfect, absolutely gorgeous header. And then the Hog goal, um, I think he scored three goals in something like 250 appearances for this field, which is not prolific, Um by any means, but he took his goal like he's he's, he's scoring five, six, seven, or eight a season. It was it was very good, and you've got to feel sorry for a bit for Blackpool because I thought they had enough, they created enough chances to to at least get a result. Probably the scoreline flattered Huddersfield a bit, but again, it's a very good um, away performance for Huddersfield. It's another clean sheet, and it's 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 momentum building at the at a very good time because we thought they they struggled against relegation this season. If they can keep this up throughout the season, then dream big. Dream big. Well, they defended brilliantly here. Colwell was class, and then Pearson mm-hmm. obviously got the goal. He was great at the back as well, along with Lees. So they're looking more solid at the back than they were last season, which is <laughs> which is where Carlos Corbrand had to start, really, because it was so crap at the back last season. But then the front three as well of Karoma, Ward and Sinani have just been brilliant in recent times uh, just constantly moving around mm-hmm. keep keeping it keeping it so it's a right pain in the arse for the opposition <laughs> defenders and they just don't know what to do at the moment and that's why Huddersfield have now got four wins in five games looking really good at the moment um, dare I say they started well last season drifted off in the second half of the season but if Carlos Corbran can sustain it then as you say relegation will be a long distant memory um, but for Blackpool it's quite the come down isn't it after beating Fulham at the weekend yeah I'm not going to get carried away with this game because as I said uh, I saw it at Huddersfield I thought Blackpool created enough chance in the first half I think if they go 1-0 up um, I think the game changes a little bit in their in their, in their direction um, it's just that little bit of quality that they lack at times I think Dougal had a had a great chance where um, I think the corner's come in it's been flicked on he's taken a touch and he's just hammered it at a nice height for Lee Nichols, where if he puts it across the box, then he's asking a bit more questions of the keeper. Um, and it's just moments like that there that are letting uh, Blackpool ta- Blackpool down at, at key times uh, in games, and that was a key time um, going into second half. Huddersfield switched up and turned it on a little bit, and, um, and and the game was then away from Blackpool. So, yeah, they 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 can improve, sure, um, but they've got to do it quite quickly because, as you say, they're not getting points on the board. Blackburn two. Hull nil, BBD with another beautiful goal. I mean, what a strike that was, Justin. 
well, it's 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 Brereton Diaz in a nutshell, isn't it? Um, he's got everything in his locker, a little bit like Adam Armstrong, in the sense that he can score from outside the box. He can he can poach. He's he's you know, he's better in the end than Adam Armstrong. So dare I say he's a better player? Um, yeah, he's he's. Uh, He's such a he's, he's turned into such an, a good all round striker or a good all round forward player now, which is which is good coaching from Mowbray because he looked hopeless at one point. Um, but as you say, with, with Blackburn, good striker, good momentum, going along, uh, going along quite quite nicely and under the radar. Um, no one's really picking them out at the moment, and um, yeah, it's, it's 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 a positive for Blackburn for again another team that struggled in the summer to bring players in. They're not going under the radar in Chile. I can tell you that. Um, But massive positive here for Blackburn because this completely passed me by, but it's their first clean sheet of the season. Um, Oh, yeah. Which, uh, you know, massive positive for them because that's been one of the reasons why they haven't been necessarily picking up the results that they've needed. Um, Constantly conceding goals but scoring at the other end. So it's been kind of a who scores more kind of situation. Uh, So this will be a massive positive for them and if they keep keeping clean sheets then they'll only continue to move up the table. Uh, So all thumbs up for Blackburn here. Uh, But for Hall though, only picked up two points since beating Preston 4-1 on the opening day. They haven't actually scored since then either, so I think it's more than nine hours they've gone now without a goal. Um, where do you think it's going wrong in front of goal for the Tigers? Perhaps a little bit of inexperience. Um, the likes of... I mean, they, 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 they've not had uh, Manic Wilkes for, for a long period of the season so far. He's, he's, a, he's a very good player, as we know. He's, he's one that we, we expected to... Uh, to tear the championship of the season. Keen Lewis Potter, again, a young player. McGuinness and Tom Eves have never been good championship players, probably squad players at, at most, but they're having to rely on them quite quite a lot. Um, yeah, <sighs> you're just exasperated, aren't you? Is I think there are, there are a lot of question marks about Grant McCann as well as, as to whether or not he's a, he's a championship manager, but you know I think he deserves a bit of time. Um, but as you say, I think they are creating... Uh, chances, but it, they're just not putting them away. And again, like Blackpool, teams will then experienced championship teams will will punish you. Well, Grant McCann Wall wants us to point out that they did have a goal disallowed, which was close to say the very least. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Grant McCann has been getting quite a bit of stick from Hall fans recently, who just are exasperated about how they've started this season. Uh, key players, players who we thought were going to be key players, like. Keen Lewis Potter, Malik Wilkes not necessarily performing and then as we were saying at the start of the season Josh McGuinness has never really looked like a championship striker so yeah concerning times for Hull who really need to find the back of the net soon otherwise then they'll continue to slide down the table Coventry, they won again and it was that man Victor Giocarez again, they beat Cardiff 1-0 I'll tell you what Justin, you're talking about fluid, saucy counter-attacks then this one here, by finished off by Jokeres, was just unbelievable. Yeah, when when you said at the weekend that you thought Jokeres was was one of the best strikes in the league, I did internally raise my eyebrows a little bit. But here he is again, scoring a very very good goal. And as you say, the fluid counter attack is is just Fulham uh, Fulham Coventry mixing up the game very nicely. Um, and that that front three of O'Hare, Waghorn, and Jokeres complements each other so so well. You've got Waghorn and Gerkerez, who are, who are two that can play with the back to goal. They can run at defenders. They can run the channels. Um, and they did it often enough in this game. And then the, the finish from Gerkerez as well 
was just a confident finish. He knew where the corner of the goal, the goal was and he put a little bit behind it and, it and it found the back of the net and that's what happens to the strikers in good form. But defensively, Coventry, you've got to put your hat off, uh, off as well because defensively they, they've really sharpened up, which is where I thought they'd be weaker this season. Um, but they, they concede, uh, I think they're in the, the, the bottom four of, of shots conceded, which uh, they're keeping the, uh, the likes of Fulham, Sheffield United and West Brom company, which is a good uh, good selection of teams to, to, to be riding with. Yeah, well, they're just looking good at both ends of the pitch at the moment, aren't they? Mark Robbins doing a fantastic job if he manages to continue it, which is going to be the big important thing, quite obviously. Um, then Coventry continue to um, prove us completely wrong after we put them in the bottom mm-hmm. three this season, as Coventry fans love to remind us about. Uh, Frank T. Dabo's red card I thought was quite funny. Just... <laughs> No need, the player just completely stopped. He's two-footed. The Cardiff player. Um, I don't really know what he was doing. Uh, Cardiff looking a bit inconsistent at the moment. Wants to keep an eye on there because they, they're either losing quite badly or uh, winning games quite comfortably. So uh, Mick McCarthy will be looking for a bit of consistency there. Luton got an injury time equaliser away at Bristol City. They drew one all. I tell you what, Luton missed some brilliant chances here. It's a surprise really that. They only managed to get the equaliser right at the death, but uh, I think Nathan Jones will be taking positives from this. Uh, Bristol City's home record, Justin. I wanted to bring Mm. this up with you. They haven't won at Ashton Gate since January. For a home side to be that poor at home, it's just... I've got no words. When when Baker scored, I was like, "Oh, it's it's finally going to happen. It's going to happen in the ninety first minute." Because when when Luton start to miss chances, especially when you're at home, I, I imagine you're going, "Right, this is it. This is the first win." And then Hilton pops up. Hilton's not scored for a while as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's when you know the looks against you. Uh, when Luton are missing chances, and then if the, the guy's not scored for a long time, scores, it's it's frustrating. It will come. It will come. They were. Good value for a win, I think. To be, to be. Uh, what Bristol City? To Bristol City. I think. No, I, I think I'm just feeling. So, I'm just feeling. I'm just feeling sorry for them a little bit, um, just because Nigel Pearson's had it had it rough. You're not a big fan of him, and anything that rubs you the wrong way is a, is a good thumbs up for me. Well, Luton battered them here, so I don't know where you where you're getting that from. But uh, yeah, Bristol City, they've got to play a lot better at home because it's it's not just the results aren't going their way at Ashton Gate. It's the performances aren't going their way either. And I have no explanation for why that's the case. And then finally, Swansea nil, Millwall nil, a very dull first half. Better in the second half. Both these teams only have one win so far this season. So both could have done with three points here. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And the Daily Mail is reporting the EFL and Derby have come to an agreement on a points deduction. They'll be docked nine points and have three suspended. Talks are ongoing and no deal has been agreed yet over a business plan. Uh, As a Derby fan, Justin, nine points. Are you satisfied with that? Oh, yeah. Bring them on. Love them. (laughs) Um, I mean, look, it's it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm just happy that it's nearly over. Like it's finally gonna be done with. Um, because like every Derby fan, I'm just sick of it now. Like every EFL supporting uh, anyone who supports a club in the EFL, you just want it to be done with. Um, but I just find it incredibly funny that Mel Morris, who has a CBE for his services to business, needs a business plan for a business he ruined. 
It's very funny. Are you I saying? don't know, it's not funny, but in some weird way it is. Is this your way of calling out Queen Elizabeth? Yeah, what are you, what are you playing at, Liz? Pick, <laughs> Come on, Liz. Cho- choose them better. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if there is any positive for Derby, then uh, there'll only be two points behind Forrest. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, Preston have signed Connor Wickham. He's been training with the club after being released by Palace. Sheffield United have brought in former Forest and Watford midfielder Adeline Guadigora. Uh, I completely forgot he, he was playing just now. Yeah, this one came out of the blue. Like, where's he been for a couple of years? Because he feels like he was Middle at East, Forest. I can tell you that. Okay, well, he's, it feels like he's been at Forest up until like last January. Then he was one of those that were in the bomb squad, and he just forgot about them. I thought he left Forest in about 2011, so I'm not sure how long he's been in Saudi Arabia now. But he's 35. Um, whether Sheffield United need him, they've just brought in Conor Hurahan. They've already got Norwood and Fleck. So, does he bring something different? I, I don't really know, but uh, there you go. Hold on to Gradior on getting this move. Uh, Blackburn have reached an agreement with the Chilean Football Federation over the release of Ben Brereton Diaz in the next international break. He's going to play in two of their qualifiers for the World Cup, but miss their final one against Venezuela. It, this is after the fiasco in the last break, where players weren't being released because of COVID restrictions. But as... We are the second tier podcast and we fully support Chile as our second international side. Then we're all for BBD being back, playing for whatever the Chilean side's nickname is. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move on there. <laughs> Sheffield United <laughs> are charging Derby fans £37 for their game next week. £37, Justin. I mean £37. It's a lot of money to watch two teams pass it side to side for 90 minutes. We know they're both possession-based, aren't they? Um, I think it's worth pointing out that they're charging uh, home fans similar prices. Uh, I, saw, I saw a fan tweet about it. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I don't know who sets prices for games. It's maddening that <laughs> they want to extort people who haven't been to football for a, a long time. It's it's absolutely absurd. and. Um, it it goes to show how far away um, people who own football clubs are from actual fans. It's just mad. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. It's shameful, disgraceful, other words ending in full. Um, how you can have the brains about you to charge £37 uh, for away fans. And I think you're absolutely right. I think they're charging, I saw, £41 for home fans after they've just come out of a pandemic, everyone's pockets were a bit lighter. It's absolutely scandalous. Sheffield United should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. I thought football was meant to be nothing without the fans, so why are you doing this? Get a grip. They have, pa- they have parachute payments as well. Exactly, exactly. It's not like they're a club that need the money either. If you look into it at a more in-depth level, then you know ticket prices don't actually account to that much for as income for uh, for championship clubs anymore. But Sheffield United are one of those clubs who do not need the money. So why are they charging, you know, honest, hard-working football fans that much money? Honestly, it makes me sick. Uh, championship legend Grant Ledbetter is retired. 359 appearances in the second tier for Sunderland, Ipswich and Middlesbrough. A true championship legend, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to be in the Craig Bryson at some point, isn't he, if he isn't already? So he'll be my first guess. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Can we give him a bit of credit, Justin? 359 okay, fine, appearances. Fine. Yeah, he was very good. His corners were ridiculously accurate a lot of the time. He gave stick. He gave stick to fans at some points, which there's a funny video of him doing that. Yeah, he's a good shit house. He's a good player. Um, fantastic. Thumbs up, Grant. A lot of thumbs up in this episode. A lot of thumbs up, especially for Grant Ledbitter. I always used to get him mixed up with Lee Catamol because they seem to have had very similar careers. Mm. Um, but well done, Grant. And finally, according to Berkshire Live, Reading goalkeeper Rafael Cabral broke his hand following the QPR game at the weekend after punching a whiteboard. He's since tweeted to say it wasn't broken and he's back training, but he didn't deny punching the whiteboard. So there you go, Rafael. Leave the whiteboards alone. Right, now it's time for the most controversial game in podcasting. Yes, that's right. It's the Craig Bryson pub quiz. No, I still haven't made a jingle for it because the person I was going to get to make the jingle for it is off on holiday. So I'm hoping he'll be back soon. But this is the part of the show where I'm going to give Justin uh, six clues about a championship legend who's made at least 200 championship appearances. All Justin's got to do is guess who that bugger is. Excuse me, I'm just getting prepared for what's going to be an interesting showdown. Uh, despite Justin's questionable picks so far, I am one and up for the season. Justin is still yet to get off the mark, and if he doesn't do it this week, then gives me the chance to double my lead next week. So, no pressure, mate. First clue. I've made 274 championship appearances, scoring 16 goals. That's a defender. Richard Naylor. Not Grant Ledbitter. Well, you already said that like, you made over 350 appearances. I couldn't go. I'd look like an absolute thicko you might, if I did. So. I would have not held nothing against you anyway, if you guessed. Who did you say? Richard Naylor? Richard Naylor. It's not Richard Naylor. I made my professional debut in 2003 for Mansfield. Jake Buxton? It's not Jake Buxton. Good to hear him mentioned. I've played for five different clubs in the Championship, including Borton, Blackburn, and QPR. Ah, oh, I feel like I should know this. Mm. Um, he started his career at Mansfield in 2003. He's played for Bolton, Blackburn, and QPR. Yeah, um, you got the idea. Yeah, I like to repeat. It helps me think. Um, I'm gonna go with. Ah, uh, oh Christ! Ne- next clue. Next clue. Next clue. Next clue. I moved to Middlesbrough in 2015 but suffered a double leg fracture 20 minutes into my debut. That's nasty, that is. Double it's leg not, fracture. Not, not nice at all. That's, a, that's, that's two places, not one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get any defenders into my head. Um, Next one. I don't know. Yeah. I'm still playing now. I'm back with Bolton. In League One. Doesn't help me, because Bolton have had such a high turnover of players. Um, one clue left after this, by the way. I'm actually stressing out now. I put myself under so much pressure for these. I, uh, I don't know. This is horrendous. I got so Last good clue. at these. Last clue, Justin. Yeah. I'm probably best known for my time at Blackpool, where I made 187 appearances and was part of that side who got promoted to the Premier League. It's part of that side who got promoted to the Premier League and it's not Ian Everett because he's the manager at Bolton. Um, he played... He had a, Come on, Justin. I, I, I think, I think centre-half might be a red... I think centre... Bolton, Blackburn, QPR. This is bad. Championship Bolton. expert, ladies and gentlemen. 
Bolton Blackburn QPR he's played for Borough 20, in 2015 at a double leg break double I'm going to have to get the fraud police here right these clues are very vague by the way how are they you just, it's so obvious you just told me who he's played for Blackpool team who got promoted to the Premier League I can't lay it on a plate for you anymore Um. oh my god you, you're going to have to give up here Casper <coughs> Gorks it's not Casper Gorks <sighs> it's Alex Baptiste oh my god there are like three Mansfield defenders they're like three Mansfield defenders that I I know like off the top of my head is Jake Buxton, Alex Baptiste, and Ben Futcher. Why did you say? All I could dig, all I could, all I had in my head was Ben Futcher, and he's never played in a championship. Ben who? He's it, a big, tall centre half called Ben Futcher. He's like six foot nine. I thought you were meant to say Ben Thatcher, but it just completely messed up the pronunciation. <laughs> Futchered it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, Justin. Still not off the mark in the Craig Bryson pub quiz this season. I don't know how much easier I can make my clues for him, but nonetheless, it's still 1-0 to me, and I've got the chance to double my lead next week. So that's been the Craig Bryson pub quiz, and this has been the Second Tier Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you for listening wherever you are in the world. Just a quick reminder that Who Knows Wins is still very much an up and running. If you want to join our league, download the Who Knows Wins app now. All you've got to do is uh, get the correct results from the championship games at 3 o'clock on Saturday. £300 is up for grabs, and the more people who enter, the bigger the prize. So why not give it a go? Download the Who Knows Wins app now. Join our league on Saturday, and you can win some big cash from just a small entry fee. Not bad, really. It's been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.